Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. What's up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Mark Rose Podcast. You know, I really think that so much of transformation occurs when we hear other people's stories and then we're like, oh my God, I feel that way too, or I've, I've, I've experienced something similar. And when we hear other people's stories, I mean, that's one of the ways that we learn the best is through narrative. It's because we also hear a way out. We maybe see ourselves in the other person and their experiences and their feelings and the just being able to witness someone put into words what we have not been able to do. And I think that's such an art. And that's why sharing how we feel and what we've experienced in our lives is such a gift to other people because it puts words to sensations and descriptions to moments that we may not have been able to access ourselves. And all of a sudden we are collecting this language to then begin to describe our own experience. For me, this is very much why listening to podcasts or books or watching documentaries and even movies, right? We're being informed by how language can describe what is so, honestly, language does such a disservice to the human experience in a lot of ways because it can't really express the complexity of what has occurred in our lives. And, you know, I think about when I went through an experience of having some grief come up and I couldn't put words to it. And I had this realization that it was grief that came from when I was a baby. And I remember the therapist slash shaman that I was talking to at the time said, that's because it was pre-verbal, like you didn't have the words. But it was interesting because I had the feeling. I had the feeling and the feeling was so visceral. It didn't need words, but I desperately, the mind desperately wants to label it. And what I love about hearing people's stories is stories of triumph, stories of transformation, so that we know we can too. And, you know, this is really what this podcast is about and what my work is about, is that we're not alone, that you're not alone, that your suffering is important and special, and and my suffering is important and special, but it's not unique in that other humans have experienced it too. And one of the consequences, or I'd say byproducts of pain, is that it often feels 
in a way, and I use this term loosely, it feels a bit narcissistic in that I'm the only one who's been through this. No one else can understand. And when we do that, what actually happens is the pain, the shame, the suffering causes us to isolate and split off maybe from ourselves, from the painful part of ourselves, and maybe denying it and putting it in a neat little box in the corner of our shadow, in the closet of our psyche. And also it might actually cause us to literally split off and isolate ourselves from others. When really, if we were to go out into the world and hear people's real stories and who they really are, not the highlight reel on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, we would see that we actually all have very common feelings, feelings of not feeling like we're enough, feelings of not having life figured out, feelings of you know, not knowing how to navigate relationships or make big life decisions or why we feel crazy right now or whatever it might be. And that's why it is so imperative that we share our true humanity, that we share our story, that that through the healing and the expression is someone else's healing and expression. And that's why that saying, hurt people hurt people, is obviously very true because those who don't explore their hurt continue to perpetuate that hurt on others. And unexplored pain creates more pain. And the, the lack of exploration of pain perpetuates pain within ourselves because we send the message that we're not worthy of even being witnessed by us. And you know, coupled with that, there's the alternate saying, healed people heal people. And and that's just through existence. That's just through doing your healing and just being, because the way you carry yourself is energetically different. The language you use, the grace to which you approach life. And I have consistently been impressed with today's guest and their story and their transformation. And, and not just that, the ability to infuse humor into everything and She's just such a light on Instagram and, and wherever you can find her. She makes me laugh. She dances all the time. She's hilarious and also incredibly introspective and incredibly prolific in the use of language and the ability to describe her scenario and her life and what she's experienced. And I was so incredibly inspired when I heard her story. And so I wanted to bring it to you today. You are going to be captivated by this experience. This story is bananas. And I think so many of us can identify with it in some way or another. So I encourage you. I mean, the juiciness is all the way to the end. And before we get started today, one way you can support the podcast that I'm so grateful for is if you could share this episode or any episode that really moves you and also to go and give it a five-star review and a written review. That means so much. So without further ado, here is... Manon Matthews. Welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. I'm so excited to have Manon Matthews here. Welcome. Hi, Mark. I mean, this has been a long time in the calibration. And for those of you that don't know Manon, she is hilarious. She is a truth teller. She's okay. I'm going to go with all the list of things I think you do. How's that? <laughs> That's perfect. For sure a dancer. Oh, for sure. For sure a comedian, mm -hmm. actress, truth teller, writer. And I just say like all, and a teacher. You're a teacher too. And a storyteller. How'd I do? It's <sighs> really good. I, cough, I make coffee. Anything else? I'm a coffee maker. Make coffee. <laughs> 
coffee maker, a partner. I'm a partner. Uh, I'm a lover. I'm a uh, podcaster too. Hey. That's right. I'm a top model (laughs) (laughs) in my household. I'm a dog lover. I'm uh, I could keep going, but I'm not going to. I'm so grateful to have you here. And, you know, I first came upon your, I guess I was going to say work, but I guess it's just your like creative expression on Instagram and really just enjoyed the way that you interact with the world and what you, you know, you sort of teach from this place of joy. And you posted a clip of a podcast episode that you did where you shared some of your story and the clip well done on whoever edited it. I was like, whoa, I need more of this. I've got to listen to this. And when I listened to it, I was just blown away. And I, it, it sort of reminded me that like once when you see someone's social profile, you don't actually know all the things that have happened in their life that have created this sort of um, purpose and the way they self-express and what they've been through. And it gave me a lot of context uh, to what you've been through in your life. And I was really inspired by what you've created from what you've been through. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so curious to what podcast it is, although I have told my story plenty. It's just, it's, yeah, it's shaped me in such a deep way. And I appreciate your acknowledgement. And yeah, I feel really grateful that I even have a platform to where we can find each other because your content is everything. I mean, people will send me it because I think maybe they sense a correlation or something Mm. between us and the message that we have. But your videos have been so helpful and beautiful. And I love the way you speak and your message. It's uplifting the world as well. And does anyone ever go, oh, hi, Mark? Do they ever go what? Oh, hi, Mark. No. Okay. It's from the movie The Room. It's really... Or doesn't matter, but it's a it's a it's probably the worst movie ever made, and the acting's pretty horrific. And that's like a line from it. And so anytime I keep seeing your name, I'm like, I always want to say, "Oh hi, Mark." Oh hi, Mark. You have to. No, oh my god, you have it. to watch it. Do I have to watch this movie you have, or just this it, scene? No, you have to watch the movie. The room. The room, and then um, okay, James Franco and his brother made a like a remake of the making of it called disaster artist but the room is really something it's really the worst movie ever made it's but you'll laugh the whole way through because it's so uncomfortable because it's so bad how bad it is yeah but being as there's a character named mark in it i think you should watch it and i think you'll laugh or you'll okay or you'll unfollow me because yeah or i'll message you and be like that was a horrible tip (laughs) thanks (laughs) ah yeah well i'm so like with your story how, like, did you start out being a comedian and, and, and start out with acting as a young kid? Like, how did it all begin? Well, I was born in Los Angeles. So both of my parents came from Seattle and, and, and Kansas City. And they, I think they had a really strong desire to do something different than what their hometown maybe provided. And so they came into the industry. And so my dad's a screenwriter. And I was just kind of, I grew up with a camcorder attached to my hand. And I was filming everything. I love films. I love um I mean, I love TV shows as well, but films really started making me feel deeply in my heart. And I remember crying a lot at them. I mean, my mother would cry at films. I just felt really touched by them and I wanted to make them. And so 
I filmed everything I could and then I got an editing system and edited music videos for my friends. Like that's what we would do when we'd get together. I would put on Britney Spears and I'm like, okay, you're going to dance in three different locations and then I'm going to edit it together and you're going to lip sync. And then I'd have this music video for them and they would take home and then they'd show their parents and then their parents would start crying and they're like, this is the greatest gift you've ever given. (laughs) And then I would, I kind of made it into a job for a summer where, you know how like, uh, bought and bar mitzvahs they like show memorial no sorry not memorial like uh montages of photos and it's just kind of like cool these are photos with you and your grandparents that's nice but like they never feel like a star i made it into like a little business where i make music videos for these kids that are turning 13 to like show at their um celebration and so i just had a lot of fun with that and yes i was definitely a very goofy child like only child in the you know, bedroom, uh, making faces and definitely making people laugh around me. And that trickled into high school. And, and I definitely use it as a defense mechanism because I moved from Sherman Oaks to Calabasas and I was, I was new in school and I, I got made fun of. And then I learned to kind of like develop a wit to protect myself. And so that's mm-hmm. also been a journey of like, how do I drop the defensiveness and just keep the humor light and kind? Um, which I think is kind of rare, if that makes sense. It's an art. Yeah. Because yeah. I never want to hurt anyone. Anything I ever say is coming from love, but obviously I can't control how people filter the world. Um, but I knew that like humor brought me so much joy. It brought me so much healing. And then, yeah, I did improv um, in my early 20s and then started doing stand up and took off from there and then got on the Vine app um, and you know, got up to 3 million followers by creating content every single day and collaborating and doing impressions. And it was just so fun. And it's been so fun. And then that, you know, when Vine died, I went to Instagram and Facebook and now TikTok. And in all the while, you know, like nine years ago, became really interested in spirituality and healing and and neuro-linguistic programming and creating a safe place Mm -hmm. for the mind to be and became obsessed with it and then it kind of created kind of a a different way of doing comedy as well as okay well there's still so much I want to share about um you know telling the truth and how it's healing and how how can we you know take care of ourselves so that we're taking care of the world and so that's kind of been where I'm at right now where I'm trying to still create humorous content as well as what's really lighting me up is just speaking about, you know, this kind of stuff. And that's kind of been a conflict. That's why I started another page, Manifestation, because, and that was a few years ago, because I was like, oh, they can't handle what I'm going to say, because, you know, people want what they want. And they're like, why aren't you doing an impression of mm. Kristen Stewart? We don't care about healing. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'll make you care, you know? But so, yeah, that's part of my journey. And then, you know, there's other stuff too that I've been through. <laughs> I'm curious that that because uh, I relate to that creation of a separate page that people won't be able to hold like whatever this other aspect of me is. And I really started to sense that like as I evolve and things I want to chat about evolve, I feel like sometimes I've been trapped in the creation of who I was, you know, and and as that changes, I'm afraid that if I let that go, then people will let me go. Does that make sense? Yeah. And we don't want to be let go. We want to be loved. Right. And right. And and it sort of feels like I'm 
because I feel like I'm in this moment, right? This sort of like I'm in the cocoon right now, and and you know the I guess I'm sort of like I have I have felt I'm not I don't feel it as much anymore, but I had felt unconsciously trapped in who people needed me to be rather than keeping evolving because people had needed that, which is so ego based in some ways. Um, but like you know, we spoke before we started hit recording. It was like if you could have just all people who love exactly what you do in, and it'd be a much smaller number. Um, and the new iteration of you, you know, would you prefer that? And for me, I think I would, you know, like if people fall away because I start telling a different truth then that's okay. Yeah. Cause otherwise I've got to put a mask back on in some ways. You know what I mean? Which is not fun to do that masks are suffocating. Like I don't want to, I'd rather. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way where I, and I did. I, I even, because someone called me out on it. I had last year, I had a, a coach be like, why are they separate accounts? Why aren't you meshing them together? And that really, like, I thank people that, you know, ask those questions and make me look at myself because I'm like, oh, it's, it's fear. And that I don't want to run my life on fear because that's only going to make me contract and feel small and not expressive and, I'm supposed to be embodying freedom and embodying expression and what it's like to be light and open in the world. And yet I'm posting on a different account out of fear like that. Again, once I'm aware of that, I'm functioning from fear. I have to like quickly shift it and change it and be like, okay, no, I can't do that. And even if they get, you know, a third of the views or engagement, that's fine. That's fine. I have to be okay with that. For the majority of my adult life, I have been searching for a tasty protein powder. I've been searching for an amazing protein powder, one that doesn't just add protein to my shake, but like adds flavor and creaminess and deliciousness and all those things. And I'm happy to have found that in the Organifi Complete Protein. It's organic, it's vegan, it's also a multivitamin with digestive enzymes, so I kind of like that stack. 20 grams of protein, all in one delicious, easy to mix shake. It's got seven superfoods, it's 100% organic, no soy, no whey, and it helps curve cravings. It contains half of the daily recommended value of selenium, vitamin C, D, E, A, and 35% of your daily iron. And all of these vitamins are from whole foods. And so it's got pea protein, quinoa, pumpkin seed, coconut, which contains MCTs, vanilla bean for the vanilla flavor, five different digestive enzymes in every serving. It helps you digest your food, prevent the bloating and the gas, and absorb more of the nutrients that you eat throughout your day. So if you want to save 20% off both chocolate and vanilla, go to Organifi.com slash create the love and Organifi is spelt O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com. So go check it out. Yeah, I definitely feel that because I think like the sort of uh, that would be the antithesis to my own message, you know, which is like allow your relationships to be the place that if all of you showed up, if the relationship fell apart, the relationship's not for you. Like the only way relationships can become containers that hold two people who are liberated and themselves is they must be spaces where that actually exists. And I think that's such a I think all of us desire that. I think we all desire that, but because what we've witnessed generationally, based on biology and survival and evolution, uh, especially depending on your gender, like that's especially true for women, is like 
if you're all of you, you're too much, you're all this, if you're too emotional and you're a male, like you're fucked. And so it's like, it's the antithesis to split in any way. And so as I sort of had, I feel like you too, I, as soon as I had that awareness of like fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, it's like, okay, well then I got to step into it then. Yeah. Like there's not an option. Yeah. And that kind of reminds me of like when you first start dating somebody and you're showing up as like, it's a clean slate. So you're pretty happy, go lucky. And you know, you feel really good and you're excited to see them. And there's just a lot of joy and connection. And then all of a sudden it's like that first time you cry with them. It's so, you know, I can only speak for my own self. Like I remember being like, oh, well, I'm going to screw it up because now I'm showing them this side, this vulnerable mm-hmm. side of this, this tearing side and, and the pain. And like, that's, this is going to make or break it. And, and if you can step into that, you know, um, I remember feeling that in relationships, definitely in my early 20s. And I was always surprised <laughs> when they stayed and said, oh, this has been my favorite part. I'm like, I've mm. always been shocked because that's not how I grew up. I grew up with very much my feelings and emotions are way too much. I cannot take it. You're just too much. This is very sensitive because I had parents that were raised with their parents who that's what they said to them. So it's not like they knew any better. But I internalized that and decided in that moment that my vulnerability and my being scared and not feeling free to feel, uh, yeah, it's like it's it's all too much and it's dangerous and it hurts people. So I'll just be funny and hopefully feel joy. And if I feel scared in the world, I'll just eat chocolate and <laughs> drink alcohol <laughs> or whatever it is to just avoid feeling. I can't feel. It's too much. But then it's like, you know, thank God for all the teachers in the world and all the lessons and because you really have to get that from your experience like actually thank Mm. the people that I've been with in the past that have relaxed my nervous system to allow myself to feel pain or scared that they go oh yeah you you're okay you got this what else share more yeah I relate so much to all of that like as a kid felt overtly sensitive got made fun of for being sensitive uh became funny became the class clown, became self-deprecating and discovered sugar and five cent candies and gummy bears and chocolate. And I still find myself like as an adult undoing the last layers of how sugar soothes me, like undoing, like eating, you know, 90% chocolate or 70%. And you're like, okay, this is better. And and just how much I've used things in excess like alcohol too in order to numb the pain of my own rejection of my own sensitivity. And so I really relate with what you're saying. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And the instant gratification of it all of like, I, if I go even another second feeling this way in an unsafe place, I'll die. So I just got to get out of here immediately with, yeah, the numbness. And I will say that, you know, when I did NLP and hypnosis and became certified as a yeah neurolinguistic programming uh, practitioner, that shifted so much of my all or nothing mentality with alcohol and, and food and the whole extremism, because I would live in very much extremes. It's like I either want nothing or all of it. And all of it actually isn't enough. <laughs> so I will say that like, if anyone's, you know, going through that, like if you find a really good practitioner that can kind of cure and have make more gray rather than it's so black and white, like that actually 
has shifted so much. That being said, like I still like something small and sweet after dinner, but and they have so many alternatives now that it's like, oh, I can still have the chocolate, but it's not actually chocolate. It's this, this, and this, or cake made from <laughs> totally. almond flour and then monk fruit or whatever it is. And you're like, okay, well, at least I'm f- getting that fix, but it's not so bad for my body or whatever, not spiking my blood sugar, which then, and you know, ne- inevitably ends up in a mm, crash and then you're crying. And I'm like, why am I crying? I don't know. I'm just hurt about <laughs> Well, I'm curious in, because I know so much in hearing your story, so much of your transformations have been relational as you're speaking to you, like as a child growing up, learning what emotions are okay, which ones are not. And then being in relational containers where you show this tender side of yourself and it being received. Um, I was wondering if you could share a bit, because your book, Funny How It Works Out, is about this journey, uh, right? Yeah. And and I was wondering if you could share a bit of like how it started and where it brought you. Yeah. I mean, I, I owe so much of my growth and healing to every relationship I've been in. And I've been in quite a few. Like I definitely for a long time was like, okay, it's the year we've been together a year and let's move on now. And here's a new one over a year. And, um, and then obviously I had to have that time where I was like, I need to learn how to be alone just to really like self soothe and learn how to take care of myself so that I'm not dependent on somebody else's validation and love. And that was really like what set the bar for like ultimate change is like, you know, being alone in your, my apartment being like, okay, I feel so alone right now. How do I take care of this? And oftentimes it was just crying on the floor and breathing to music. And, um, but then I, you know, I, I remember moving to New York in 2017 And I've been pretty intuitive in my life, but I haven't really honored it because again, as a kid, you know, when, when the moms would come, come in and we'd all be sitting there, they'd be like, are you guys hungry? I would always look to the people around me to check in to see if I was hungry. So I didn't, I didn't Hmm. know how to check in with myself and be like, Hmm, how do I really feel? It was, I was always told how to feel. And so that really set the trajectory of my life of, you know, making, making other people's words, my reality and how they felt was how I felt. And that became really dangerous in 2017 when I moved to New York. Um, I had a beautiful three months there and I remember moving into an apartment cause I, w- I was just kind of living there for a few months. And then once I was living there, I loved it so much that I was like, okay, I gotta like get a place. And I remember moving into the place. Um, I remember the date it was November 1st and, I'd gone online on social media and I was, I found this guy online through a friend and I looked at his page and I remember feeling like, oh my God, I know this person. I know this person so deeply, like my soul feels really called to this person. And his videos were making me laugh in a really honest way. Like he was really good at doing characters and accents, which I appreciated his talent, but he also felt really real. Like he wasn't trying to prove something, which I, again, appreciate um, the authenticity of that. And so I went to send him a message and saw that he had already written me 18 months before. And I was like, well, that's weird because it says he lives in Australia. Like, how did this person find me? And and his message said, you know, you shine unlike any other human I've seen in a very long time. I'm happy to see how you're channeling your light. And I was like, that's exactly how I talk. 
this is crazy. <laughs> uh, meant to be. And then we messaged back and forth. And like that night we FaceTimed and he came on my FaceTime. And the minute, I don't want to say the minute, the, the first five, 10 minutes of FaceTiming him, I heard a voice in my head that said, oh, that's the man you're going to marry. And I went, holy crap. And I felt it. And I felt like he felt it too. We were on on the phone for two hours, just connecting and just at times just being really silent and just staring at each other, you know, that feeling. And it was really, really special. And um, at the time he was visiting Los Angeles um, from Australia. And so like he was closer to New York. But I remember feeling a pit in my like heart and my stomach of like, why this sucks that I'm in New York. Like I was pissed off that I was so far away from this person. And I was like, this is so weird. I don't even know this person. Why am I upset? Um, Mm -hmm. But then we FaceTimed for uh, every day for a few days and decided that before he goes to Australia, he's going to come to New York to, to meet me because, you know, we've already, we've already at this point pretty established that we're soulmates and, and (laughs) so we got to, you know, start our life together. Um, you got to meet. <laughs> we got to meet. You have to meet to at least check it off. You just got to make sure that like this isn't just all over yeah. the phone. Um, right. Before I start shifting everything in my life to be with this person. Um, and I remember, you know, I remember telling my mom, you know, I met the man I'm going to marry because she was like, how was the move? I was like, it was a good move. And I met the man I'm going to marry. She's like, wow, what a day. And I remember <laughs> she... Wow. <laughs> Okay. But I'd never said that before. This was not, you know, I'm right. not, I'm not your typical thinking I'm going to marry every guy I'm with. Like, in fact, I don't, I've never said that. Um, I've never wanted to marry anyone I was with. I really, you know, feel like I loved people to, to the capacity that I could when I was with them. But I feel like the more I grow and, you know, love myself or whatever, I feel that's the, the more I can love people. And, Anyway, so she 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 clocked it, and then I told her that he was going to come stay with me, and I and she goes, um, "Well, you know, should I meet him first? And I was like, "No." And then I told him that she said that, and he was like, "Oh, I'd love to." So they met for a two hour coffee before him and I even met in person. Oh my gosh, this is wild! And yeah, like <laughs> I was just sort of uh, observing the immensity of saying like I moved that day and I met the person I'm going to marry like you're right there's a significance to that statement especially I mean there are people for sure like I met the person I'm going to marry every time they meet someone but the uniqueness of that but also that they met so he met your mom yeah before he met which obviously told me that like oh he's serious yeah because a person who's not would never (laughs) you know I was like of course he's going to meet her that's all this is making so much sense and I remember within the first week he um we were FaceTime he said you know there's this song that I've had in my heart for a really long time and I want to would you just mind listening to it and let me know what you think and I was like okay and I listened to this song and on my own like after we hung up and I listened to it and again within like I don't know seven seconds no, 15. I'm weird about numbers. I remember dates and numbers because I never want to be inaccurate. And so I don't know why I'm weird with that. But whatever, I was listening to the song and I heard, oh, that's that's our wedding song. And I immediately was like, well, I'll text that to him, which again, usually in the book of um, dating, you with you hold your cards just a little bit if you're trying to not scare anyone off. But I, I knew it wouldn't scare him. I just was like, well, this is my truth and this is what came to me. So I'm going to share it. 
And he immediately wrote back and said, uh, I know it is. That's why I haven't shared it with a single soul. I've saved it for us. And I was like, that, that makes sense with everything that's already happened. And so he came to New York. My heart was beating out of my chest. I was in uh, Madison Square Park and it was like 5.15 in the afternoon um, and we met. And I remember I had an initial like, huh? Oh. But then I immediately went back into, oh my God. Oh my God, it's you. Oh my God, it's you. We both started sobbing in Madison Square Park, holding each other. I remember he said, where have you been? And I said, I've been looking everywhere for you because my whole life has felt like a journey to find the one or the man that I'm going to be with. Yeah. You know, I've always been kind of like, you know, people care about their careers a lot or or their fitness or whatever they people value. I've always been like, uh, my heart is like, where is he? Or she or this person. Like, I, I, I feel like my eyes have always been open to okay, I can't wait. And I've been training for this day, especially when, you know, the, so much of the healing came from this place of like, I got to be at my best when this person comes and so that I can, you know, you know, be with them. And so this fairy tale was, I was witnessing it coming true. I'm like, oh my God, everything I have dreamt about, everything I think I thought was possible is actually happening to me. And it's, it's, I felt like I was being rewarded for like all the hard work (laughs) that I've done in my life to get to this point. Cause it's been brutal and it's been very time consuming and it's been really rewarding at times, but it's been a lot of work, especially as a, in my twenties where everyone else was out partying and, you know, seemingly having a good time and free. And I was just like, I don't feel free in the world. And how do I get free without anything in my system? Um, you know, alcohol or drug wise. And so anyway, yeah, that week we spent the week together in New York. We had an instance where, um, you know, we went to Eddie Bauer cause I had to get it like a, a big puff coat or something. Cause it was really cold in As New York and I didn't have a jacket. Yeah. That's where you go when you need a <laughs> puffer coat. But I, I was like, literally I was sh- shaking out of being so cold because it was 28 degrees. And so we, we went in there and I got one and the zipper, we, we stepped outside and the zipper wouldn't zip. And so he got on his knee to like fix my zipper and all these people walked by and one girl was like, say yes, say yes. And this other guy was like, where's the ring? Where's the ring? And people were like cheering because he was trying to get my zipper, but it obviously looked like the other thing, like he was proposing. And and I it felt like so symbolic of what was to come that I was just like, of course, this is happening. It was just one thing after the other. Like his birthday was the day my parents got married to the year. Like all these oh, things of like, oh. These are like synchronicities <laughs> that even if it wasn't meant to be, it's meant to be. Like it's. Clearly. And it clearly yes. is meant because it's, you know, it's the perfect. It's what happened. Uh, yeah. And it's it's the perfect synchronicity of information that leads you to a place like now. Yeah. And, you know, we were long distance because he had to go back to Australia, but we had already decided like that we were each other's person. And so it was like, okay, so how are, how are we going to get you from Australia to, you know, cause he was working in the coal mines as that's a thing. And that's what he did for a living for eight years is was a coal miner, which is a very dangerous job. And so, you know, I guess I could have gone to Australia, but we decided that he'll come to New York and live with me and, and, 
we would figure that out. It took about six months to figure that out. But after four months of being together, I went to Australia to meet his family and really connected with his mother deeply. And then he proposed Wow! on the beach, which I knew he, I, I didn't think he was going to propose on that trip, but I knew he was going to propose. I w- he could have proposed within the first month and I would have been like, yep, yeah, because that's what it is. Like, there's no resistance here. If he had asked in New York when he was zipping up your coat, would you have said yes? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. He proposes you to you on the beach. Yes, between where the river meets the sea. And uh, you know when you get to the beach and you just want to like put everything down and lay down? He did not want that. He was like, let's go look at the ocean. I was like, well, let me just lay for a minute. And, he, and he's like, no, no, no. Like, let's look at the ocean. And I was like, all right, let's let's go stand and look at the ocean. Oh, it's so pretty. And then I went and laid back down again. He goes, well, now let's let's go walk and look at the river. And it was so weird because he's he's a very he has a very deep voice and he's very like I don't know he has like strong build tattoos. Uh, just like looks like a Viking. And so for him to get so nervous and flustery, it was pretty adorable. And then he, yeah, he, he asked me and said really beautiful things. And I was an immediate yes. I was like, yes, of course. And then, yeah, we started our life together and he moved to New York and we spent every day together, night and day, like just attached at the hip. And, you know, he started joining in a lot of my comedy videos and that was really fun. He was really easy to create with. And I brought everyone on our, our love story and, you know, everyone outside of me confirmed what I knew. I would share the story every, every single time they would be like, we have chills. Oh my God, I have chills. And I was like, yep. And, um, Everyone online was like, oh my God, you're literally, you can see your love. And it was really, really special to kind of share this love with everybody um, mm-hmm. that I knew and didn't didn't know. And then, um, yeah, in 2019, we had our wedding in Malibu, California. And it was beautiful. It was really easy. Five days before then, I actually bought us a house in uh, Toluca Lake, and it was actually on Weddington Street, which was interesting. Yeah. And we were able, we were able to have. It's so weird. How weird is stuff like that? Like right. I, I don't understand. It's not. I didn't pick it because it was on Weddington. Like we just loved the house. It just happened to be on picked Weddington. You. It picked me. And so yeah, we had our you know gathering with our family. His family fr- flew in from Australia and Scotland because um, he's a Scottish man and. Um, it was really beautiful. The wedding was really easy. And then a week, a month after the wedding, um, I got the wedding photos and they were so beautiful. And then my friends, one of them was in the wedding. My friend Travis was in the wedding and him and his girlfriend asked to take me to coffee. And I was like, no, come look at the wedding photos. They're like, no, we want to take you to coffee. And I was like, this is so weird. They've never just picked me up to take me to coffee, but all right. And so we went and we were kind of just sitting there. It was like down the street of, from my house. And they kind of each grabbed my arm and looked at me with like a really deep sorrow. They're like, what we're about to tell you, like, just know that we're going to be here for you no matter what. And I'm like, what? And I, the the rush of feeling that like mm. went through my body was like they were going to tell me that someone I very close to me has passed. And I got so scared and my heart was beating out of my chest. And they basically said that the person that you married has been, that a woman reached out to Travis and said, man, is going to really need a friend right now because her husband's been sending me um, nude videos and photos. And 
for weeks and um, saying things like, you know, Manon's nothing, she's useless, she's uh, not sexy, she's boring, I'm not going to be with her forever, that's for sure, you're my true queen, I love you, I always have. And I'm reading these things like, what? What? Wow. What? So confused because this man treated me like a queen. Like he seemingly was in a beautiful way, just obsessed. We were loved each other. He always was very chivalrous, kind to animals, helped people across the street, like warm hearted. None of this is making any sense. Like what? Right. But I'm looking at the screenshots and the it's his account on Instagram. It's his photos. It's Holy his naked body fuck. in the house I just bought. Oh man! And he, and the way he's saying and speaking, I'm like, yeah, that's how he types. He put this. It, this is him. And I'm bl- my mind is blown. I like I, whole, I think I would, your reality just shattered. Yeah, everything I thought I knew is gone. Yeah, I don't know up from down. It's like you're telling me that actually, I'm a unicorn this whole time. I like, I don't even know how to explain how off everything felt. I was so confused and I didn't, and I, I didn't know what to do. So I, I just sat with him for a little while, cried a bit. And then I was like, okay, I guess I got to go confront him because that's what I have to do. I'm not going to like sit with this and then (laughs) just not do anything or act like I don't like, like, no, like our relationship was very communicative. Like I was very, I showed him all the parts of me that I thought were so ugly that like, once I show you this, then, then you'll leave. But at least I know that if I show you this and you stay, then I earned you and I didn't manipulate you to be with me by only showing you one side of the coin. So we had very, you know, we didn't really argue. We had very beautiful communication. He, he had known all the, the kind of uh, workshops I had gone to and went to three of them because he was just so willing to grow and, and look at himself. Cause he had, you know, he had a really, really rough life, um, from what he has shared with me. And so I was like, wow, like you're pretty good for everything that you've been through. And, and, but he had such a willingness to participate at like, you know, Tony Robbins and then he did landmark and then he did John Wyland's masculine workshop and all wow. like everything under the sun. <laughs> he was, he showed He's up a master. Wow. And then he did that. Wow. So I'm going, how is this guy that I trust with every part of me that I just married, who is my protector? How did he do this? So I went home and I packed a bag and I put my key in my in my in my uh, jean pocket and the 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 suitcase was in the car and I was ready to go where I was like okay I'm gonna approach him but just in case I don't know anything about this man because it seems right. now like I have no idea who I just married um, because it's not so much that he's like oh like this is all sexual like. I understand people have needs and stuff. Obviously, just I would have wished he would have shared it with me and maybe something that we like deal with together. But it was the unkindness of what he was saying about me, which made no sense. I was like, wait, why are you throwing me under the bus? I've no, what? Yeah. This is doesn't add up at all. Um, so I was outside and I, you know, I had him come out and I immediately was like, so I know what you did and I know what happened. And then he just started sobbing and fell to the floor. And and I realized this man's deeply in pain and suffering in a way that I didn't catch. And 
So I proceeded to sage and shower him and just hold him while he cried for hours on end. And then, you know, the next day I had to get out of the house and take care of myself and process and try to make sense of any of this. Um, Hmm. That's interesting (laughs) that like in the moment of you confronting him, he then makes it about him, you know, like now you're comforting him as opposed to like, not to dismiss the pain that leads to those types of choices and to doing the types of things that he did to you, uh, not minimizing that in any way. However, it's like, that's, I mean, that's master, masterful manipulation because all of a sudden you're now caretaking his feelings, even though your feelings have just been devastated. I just want to take a moment to like, told that that younger version of you that like hold space for the younger version of you that that had to explore all that complexity because i'm sure for people listening like we can all feel the like i've never been through anything like that but i can feel through your words the immensity of it and so i appreciate you you sharing it and yeah Yeah, I didn't know that that's what he was doing at the time. I thought, yeah, I just, of course. Yeah, I had no idea that that's what he was doing. I thought he was in pain, right? And I want to take care of the person I love in pain. I and I had done enough, I guess, spiritual work to understand that it wasn't personal to me. That it was only a person who's scared and alone and in pain and acts out like that. So, you mm. know, it's not. So, it's not like I was in. I'm not insecure about the things that he said about me. Those aren't deep. Those aren't deep wounds of mine. And so when he's, you know, he told her I wasn't funny and I was like, oof, this is not accurate at all. So it's not like I took it personally. (laughs) (laughs) But that's like, you have such a solid sense of self that you're able to differentiate the truth from, which is so powerful to the work you've done. You know, like if you don't know you, someone else will tell you who you are and you'll believe them, you know, but you knew who you were, which was, um, yeah. yeah, powerful. Yeah. I was just confused because I really thought he loved me so deeply and would never hurt me. Like yeah. I, that I believed, you know, and even as he was feeling all his feelings and saying, you know, I, I I'm just sick and I want to work on it because I love you. I believed that. So for three months we went to therapy, you know, we took a month off of seeing each other to really just decompress and process, um, which was really good. You know, I, ha- I, I am proud of the fact that the next day after I found out it happened was when I said, okay, please leave the home. Um, yeah, and that's self cared in that way. Cause I needed that actually, that was, you know, I know a lot of people, myself included in the past that when there's that kind of betrayal or abuse of any kind, people will continue being around it, which is self harm because it's comfortable and it's familiar and it's so scary to think of the alternative. And I'm really glad that in that circumstance, I was able to separate. Um, that was really, really helpful in my healing, you know. And then I inevitably came to that, okay, let's do some some therapy to, if not anything else, process everything that's just been said and get to some sort of truth. Because at this point, I'm like, I, I know what my experience of our relationship has been. 
what's been your true experience? Because I don't think we've had the same, even though I thought we were having the same experience, it clearly something's off because right. if you were happy and fulfilled, you wouldn't have done what you did. So what's going on? And, you know, it was very healing, but ultimately um, the behavior kept secretly going on, even though he was, you know, declaring that he was going to change and it's all different and it's not going on. I kept finding out because I kept praying to the universe, please help me. Cause I I'm having trouble because I'm so in that. I love this man and I married him and I take marriage seriously for sickness and in health and all of those things, you know, and if he, if he wants to change, I do believe people can change if they want to, but if they don't want to, and they're not willing and they don't have help, they're, they're not going to. And so he kept lying (laughs) and I, I bought it until I really got clarity and didn't anymore and really started listening to myself, which I believe, I believe that that was my whole lesson was to listen to my body and to listen Mm. to energy because energy doesn't lie and the body doesn't lie. People lie. And instead of at times when my body would try to communicate things and feel things, again, I wouldn't honor it. I would listen to his words and have them overwrite how I actually felt. And hmm. I really don't do that much anymore. You know, I've, I've at least I've gotten a lot better to where if my body feels like it, it wants to close to something, that's indic- that's information. That's not just like nonsense. So if somebody says something and it feels off to you, there's a reason. Like that person's probably not being authentic. And I, I really deeply needed to learn this lesson. And so, like you said earlier, it absolutely was supposed to happen. Absolutely. Like it's a huge gift in my life that he did that, oddly enough. And, and there, you know, I, it's, uh, it's funny because people are always like, how did you like deal with that? I, I, I don't have any bad memories of him at all. Like, mm. It, that and that's the part that's hard is the when I think about this situation, I go back and I go, did he ever love me though? Like, I mean, how could he not? I'm yeah. wonderful. And <laughs> what was real? Like, I don't, I, I don't. Uh, for him, so I'll never. It's so unanswered. It's so unanswered. I have no. You know, I, I sort of no think clue. of it. Yeah, I sort of think of it like it's all real. You know, like. It's kind of like when I remember hearing these two kids at a playground. I was with my friend um, with his kids. And one of the kids, because it's weird if you hang out at a playground and you don't have a kid there. You know, it's kind of odd. So I was, <laughs> anyways, I had to qualify that. My bad. I was hanging out with my buddy and his kids. And one of them is two. And he was talking to this little girl, another two-year-old. I was maybe two. And he's like, I love you. And... One of the, I heard another parent say, oh, isn't that funny? Like, he thinks he loves her. And I was like, but in his lens, he does. Like, he does. It's real. It's so real in that moment. And, you know, I I think, I think there are people who lie and say they love someone in order to get things, right? Of course. Like catfishing and that kind of stuff. But I think there's also people who really, truly, authentically love someone but they don't know how to actually receive and hold that love. So they sabotage it through choices and behaviors, you know, and I forget what movie or teacher it's from, but I remember hearing the line, can't you see it's all perfect? Can't you see that it's all, it's Ram Dass actually, now that I think about it. Um, And it was when he wanted to go 
and help people with his microbus in Bangladesh. I remember he was talking to his teacher, Maharaji. And he said, how am I supposed to help all the suffering in the world? And Maharaji said, can't you see it's all perfect? And I think about that with like, when you love someone, you are simultaneously signing up for the pain that is equivalent to the opening. And that's why I think there's sort of a interesting pain that's even present in deep love and infatuation. And it's almost like we're experiencing the loss and that's actually what is the richness, you know? And I think about what you said about like, I don't regret a moment. Like relationships have taught me so much. And I think like every single moment of my greatest pain has been the greatest opening and the greatest lesson and the greatest transformation. And I have not a similar experience, but where a partner cheated on me and there was a lot of betrayal when I was in my teens. And I don't blame her. Like I look back and you're like making choices at your level of consciousness. And I needed to learn boundaries and to connect back to my truth. And I realized like the moments I ended up with are the moments you end up in when you say yes to things that are a no. And when you, you know, you think uh, I hear your story and I'm like, how could anyone not say yes to every single moment? Like the cards were so stacked in a good way for you to have that journey, to be able to share this story today. And I think about like how many people have you supported and saved and helped through the sharing of your story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I agree. Um, I think it happened to me specifically so that I could share it because I right. do access a lot of people. And there's been a lot of people that have reached out being like, wow, I've been upset and so angry for 10 years. And you just set me free because I never looked at it to not take it personally. And I'm like, whoa, worth yeah. it. <laughs> Totally right, worth right, it, to you know, like, like okay. To be, have been through what you've been through and to actually channel that into teaching and humor and, and truth and, and pain and, but to like model it. That's what I'm, I'm just really grateful that you're doing that. Um, because there's the resonance of your words is, you know, they say that you don't have to understand a book to get its message. And I think that's mm. true of how words are spoken too. Yeah. My only thing was, you know, I handled it until the, my book came out and then everything changed when more women came forward and I realized it was happening, wow. uh, the whole relationship. And, you know, the song that he showed me, that actually was our wedding song. We danced to it at our wedding and someone reached out that had dated him for a year and basically said, hey, I read your book and reading your experience with him was my exact experience with him. And she had a lot of details about his life. And she said, I know you don't name the song in your book, but I know it's this song. And she named the song. And she goes, because that was to be our wedding song. So then it, it kind of turned into this thing of, oh, so this wasn't just something that it sabotaged at the end. This was like, right. he lied from day one. And that kind of wow. gave it a layer of really bad like it gave it a really negative layer and lens for me to that's when I did go back and question wait so what was real like I get it he loved me to his capacity and I do absolutely believe it was all perfect and I just have to be okay with there's a lot of unanswered questions that I may never understand or get but better believe I send them love every day 
Yeah, sorry if that felt minimizing in saying that. I, I certainly didn't mean no. minimize your experience. No, you didn't at all. Oh, okay, you didn't good. at all. Like that that actually when you said that it re- really relaxed me. And it because that is how I I truly see it. I just had to give that extra layer of detail just for anyone listening. Yeah, like wait, there was more <laughs> bullshit below the surface <laughs> bullshit. I'm curious what was it like for you to hold? Like I think about when I got engaged previously. The sort of the moment that sort of woke me up to questioning life and relationships and all those things. I remember having this moment where our engagement ended and I had so much shame that I had like gotten to this place. And um, I even think when I was like, I had a partner, when a partner cheated on me, I didn't tell anybody because I had so much shame and embarrassment. Um, and when I finally told a friend, he's like, why didn't you tell me so long ago? Like you've been holding this alone. And I was like, I was embarrassed. Like, who am I if someone cheats on me, if I'm so discardable, if I'm so um, Mm. invaluable? And so I'm curious, how did you hold the experience of just getting married? And then like this sort of the fact that you were sort of, you know, tricked, uh, misled, lied to, and then people finding out about it, like your mom finding out about it, she had coffee with them, like all these people who felt totally lied how did you hold the complexity of i would imagine grief rage love like i'm just curious about your experience of that i mean i told everyone right away so i have such a good support system of people around me that i truly believe love me and that i love and so you know i think when you share it it does it can help uh dissolve it just a little bit each time so that was helpful. Um, and yet so many people that were at the wedding, like my parents and my friends that, you know, I introduced him to, they were all heartbroken. They felt like they I felt bet. their own betrayal within him. Like what's going, like I opened my heart to you, man. Like, you know, through this, this, this woman that we all have loved for so long, how could you do this? You know, my father was irate. I'm his only child, only girl. And he feels like my dad handled it horribly. I mean, he was for over a year, just so mad at himself for giving me away to this man. And, you know, I was already past it. And I, I would be on the phone like, dad, I'm genuinely so happy. You can let that go. This Mm -hmm. was my responsibility. I wouldn't have, even if you tried to stop it, you couldn't have, um, because it was my decision and I, you know, I took responsibility and I, I kind of had to, uh, just kind of go through each person and kind of share honestly where I was at. And when I was really past it, I think that was really helpful for them, but you know, just a lot of processing, even processing with him, you know, not just with the therapy, but like literally doing, I don't know if you, do you know John Wineland? Oh yeah. John's been on the podcast. He's incredible. Yeah, he's incredible. And so we would, we met with him once we, you know, he did the masculine, I did the feminine embodiment, and we would do the kind of the exercises that is are displayed there of just sitting in front of each other with music and revealing our hearts. And so, you know, he got to see me throw tantrums and cry and hit the floor and pound his chest. And he, he really held it. And that was something that I really appreciate that he did. And it, you know, it, until, I was kind of like, okay, now I need to just detach from you completely because, you know, ultimately I had to make, he never walked away. He would have just stayed and kept doing what he was doing. But I, I really felt like 
I didn't, my, the trust is broken. And, and I kept feeling that even in therapy, I was just like, I just don't trust him. And, and he was, you know, sitting right there. And I thought, even though I love him, I don't want to start a really a marriage off with fear of who you're texting. And I kept getting information that there was more lies. And so ultimately it was like a self-care move of like, you know, I've gotten to the point of being this age where there is a lot of part of me that I deeply love. And I know that I, I know the love that I deserve um, because it's the same love that I give and I at least Mm -hmm. want to be matched in it. And so I had to walk away, which was really, really hard. Um, and then the harder part was to keep my heart open to other possible love because, and not create a story that like all men are pigs and they all here to master manipulate and hurt women. It's like, I don't actually believe that. No, that's, that was that person. Let me keep it to that person and not generalize because then I'll, then I'm missing out on the love that I truly want, which I have now. Thanks to Russell, my dog and who kept my heart open. And then, you know, the universe sent me another man who's beautiful and integral and very ethical and kind and he helped me heal so much of that Mm. you know uh, trauma I guess by just being there and holding me and not making me wrong for feeling something and just I'm in such a beautiful relationship now and I like I wouldn't be here if had I not gone through all of that yeah you know in you can tell in the videos that you guys sometimes do together that he really loves your self-expression, like your uniqueness, the way that, just by the way he looks at you, and and you him as well, because he's very funny to you. Yeah, he's very funny, and he's really, he somehow knows, it's almost like all, like he's never done, he's new to kind of, he would say this, this like the spiritual growth that he's experienced in the last, I don't know, two years is brand new to him at, at he's not even 30 yet and so he's he has an intuition about how to be a, a in his masculine container uh, in a way that I've not seen um without you know people getting trained to hold a space for um the feminine energy it's been really he's he's just incredible like yes funny but like so gentle and mm. heartwarming and I just feel like so blessed that I was able to, that we, that we found each other when we did, because it was during the pandemic and, you know, who knows, maybe I would have been really lonely and then would have went to my default, which was, okay, what was the last safe I felt, place I felt loved, even if it's toxic. Okay. Let me make that call because I don't want to be alone anymore. And it was like gently replaced with more healthy love. And it was really beautiful so mm. so lucky i felt like i really feel like the universe had my back has my back always and if you can have that trust that like you're always going to be taken care of then you really can keep then you never have to settle and you can keep your heart open and things fall into place they just do even if it hurts sometimes and feels like that's not the case like it always returns to the love mm. i think how true that is with like that what you said that that position that you're in where you say okay i'm lonely i'm gonna go back to this because at least it's something or like draw in this and i always think like in my own personal experience historically whenever i wait past that like that addictive pull that's when it shows up if you can say no to that and you keep the space open 
then all of a sudden what you're calling in comes. And I think of Lacey Phillips' work, because she calls that the, um, what does she call it, the test? The like, no, she has a better word for it. But it's like that moment right before you're about to manifest it, and you get the thing that's almost it. And I always think it's like, that's when like the perfect almost that's covered in coconut oil is like there showing up ready, and you're like, this is amazing. And you're like, but you know intuitively it's not amazing. You know it's your old pattern. But you get yeah. rewarded. And I love that invitation that you you reminded us to to trust. Like if you can trust that you're taken care of, you just have to make the decisions that actually say you believe that you trust. Because otherwise your relational outcomes will occur and you'll call them fate till you actually recognize your patterns and actually grow from them. Like you said, you know, um, the greatest lesson you got was to like return to trusting yourself, to hearing your body, your feeling. I love that you said your body doesn't lie, people do. Yeah. I think you should write that down and quote it because it's so incredible. Well, my therapist that, said it. It's not oh, mine. Well, <laughs> man and therapist. That's what we'll <laughs> but it's, it's so great. Of like, what a reminder. Because I think this comes back to something we were chatting about before we hit record, which is, why is it that when we have an intuitive feeling, we seek to figure out what's wrong with us to justify the feeling because it's uncomfortable or causes disruption in our lives rather than what's right with me? And I think that's such, it's like we've all been taught to ignore the feeling, to survive in our society, to treat the earth the way we do, to, to stay in relationships that are dysfunctional, to be dysfunctional with ourselves. And I've always thought because of my own experience of, Whenever I turn down my sensitivity 20% in one area of my life to accommodate it, I then have to turn down 20% in every area because you can't turn down the volume on you in one place and expect to just keep it there. You, The cost is every area. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. And to look for what's right. I mean, then you'll find it. And it is all about the questions that we ask ourselves. And for, yeah, for a long time, if I felt a no inside of me, I would make myself wrong for feeling mm. that way rather than what you just said is, well, what's right with it and how can I honor it and stand firm in it? And yes, if there's backlash and people don't agree with it, I have to be, that doesn't mean I change it to a yes. <laughs> you know, right. don't let it. Yeah, which I've done. I've done plenty of. I'm like, oh, they're me not happy. Too. Let me shift it. Let that. That's all. I just want harmony. I just want everyone to get along. And if even if that means compromising my own self, like no, Why? that doesn't work for anybody. When I think that's like, oh, let me start this separate Instagram. Let me start. You know, I start to think of it that way. Of like, what's right with me that this is being called through me? That that I'm a conduit. I, I get to be the blessing and the conduit to this information that this this desire this this passion um and i you know i realized in the recognition or the reconciliation of that split that i've experienced is i started to ask myself like when did i stop believing in miracles when did i stop saying yes to only fuck yes things you know um and it used to inform every aspect of my work and now it's informing it again and that's why i always think these moments of uh, Francis Weller talks about it being like in in the liminal space, in the darkness, that it's those moments that, that teach you, right? Like you were saying, like 
taught you something. And this space is teaching me again, like, never will I abandon me for anybody ever, ever, you know? Yeah. I think so much of that space that people, myself at times, wouldn't take was because I didn't want to experience the pain when pain is such a good thing, actually, and it passes. Mm. But like, I think about, you know, if I broke my ankle and I didn't feel pain, I might keep walking on it and then it would heal all funky. But the pain is telling me to go easy on the parts Mm -hmm. of me that hurt. And so it's like, thank your pain. Thank you for showing me that something's not aligned and to love, love on my, that part more, love our wounds, which is what healing is. We all have a lot of things that we've gone through that need our love and attention. And we ignore it for years until, you know, something happens to like force us to look at it because we can't take it anymore. Um, Which again has happened many times in my life, which I'm really grateful for. And now I think I'm kind of getting the hang of it's okay to feel pain and that that means that I need some more love in that area and to go easy and oh man, it's just such a practice. <laughs> this it thing is. called life. Well, I think it's such an act of rebellion to find grace in your pain because, you know, having worked in the medical industry, allopathic medicine obviously has a really beautiful place. And allopathic medicine has taught us that if you have pain that's emotional, like you said, if your ankle's sore, you are informed to not walk on it. But if your heart is sore or you're experiencing depression or anxiety in, in your body, like you were saying, your body's informing you. And in some way we've taught, which no doubt now I sort of think of my statement earlier, instead of looking at what's wrong with me that I have this feeling, well, it's been socialized to us. I have a friend who's got divorced and he went to his doctor and his doctor was like, you're depressed. Here, take this antidepressant. And my friend was like, of course I'm depressed. I came home and my wife's bags were packed and she left and I'm not going to take a pill for that. And I'm not saying that there aren't moments where people should. So please don't, uh, anyone listening, don't like hear it that way. But he wanted to get into the richness of the emotion that was occurring. And I do think sometimes we're at our capacity and we can't hold anymore. Um, but I really think of like how much that messaging is. Like if your ankle hurts, you change how you walk. If your environment is painful, you don't take a pill to minimize your environment. Do you know what I mean? Because your environment's informing you. Yeah. If you're feeling depressed, that, that is so much information. There's so much there. For me, I've gone through moments of feeling so much depression and sadness and sorrow. And it's because I'm not doing what I really want to be doing on the planet at those moments. Yes. And so the thing to do is not to just get away from it, but it's to look at, okay, well, what are you doing in your day? Are you doing anything that makes you feel good? Are you doing, are you getting up, going in the sunshine, going for the walk? Obviously, the first few times to do that feels impossible, but... For me, when I feel depressed, it's because I'm not in my creation. I'm not dancing. I'm not connecting with humans. I'm not sharing my heart or I'm not going outside. Like there's, there's definitely many prescriptions that call to serve and give the opposite feeling of depression that don't require necessarily a pill. And of course, I, you know, 
this is not to say don't take that because I know that there are, are the right ways to do it. And also it's an opportunity to go within and go, okay, what do I really want? Because that's, yeah, for me, when I'm not feeling good, it's because I'm not doing the thing that makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah, I think of a quote, I'm totally butchering it and paraphrasing it, but it's something along the lines of, of course you're sad, you're so full of truth that you don't mm. share. And I think about that a lot of like, when I felt depressed, which I have, it's because I'm, I'm not self-expressing, I'm not being authentic, I'm not saying I miss you or I, or I hate you or I love you or that hurts. I'm missing a boundary. I'm missing uh, something. Um, yeah. I'm curious, how did it end? Like how, how did it all end? Uh, I'm sure everyone listening is like, what's the At Disneyland, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, real quickly, the last thing I want to say about so much of when I was depressed, I was, I was, instead of being like, okay, so what's the information there? I would literally be like, well, nobody else is, and I'm so alone in this, and I would make it so wrong that would add a lot more unnecessary pain on top of the depression. Anyway, mm. just had to close that out. Like, don't judge yourself for your feelings. Like, sadness mm. is beautiful. It's all part of it. And if we can just love ourselves where we're at, it'll be a lot easier than, like, judging ourselves. Uh, how did it end? It was Christmas Eve. <laughs> it was a stormy night. It was Christmas Eve, and I was <laughs> I went to lunch with a dear friend of mine who I trust. Um, meaning, like our conversations are really present. I really honor and feel like I trust her, and so I don't know why I there was had had already been two strikes of his behavior. So I was at this point, I was hanging on by a thread. We had already done almost all the therapy. I still didn't have trust. I wasn't sure whether to stay or to go. And I, you know, prayed to the universe. I just need your help. Like, I can't, I don't think I can do this on my own. I, I, I help me, you know, cause there'd be certain dinners we would like organize him and I, and he would show up and he wouldn't be wearing his ring. And I was like, why aren't you wearing your ring? Like, you know Especially that we're in at hardship. This point. Yeah. <laughs> at like at w in what world would you not even even if it's not something you're wearing away from me, you know you're going to see me put it on. And so they were right. like that was something that that wasn't part of the two strikes, but that was something that else that would happen where I was like, okay, you're really not giving me much. It's almost like you're yeah. doing that you're trying to unconsciously push me with that away without saying like just you have the courage to walk away because I'm struggling with what, what, anyway. So I went to lunch and uh, he worked at a gym, um, like a training gym where they do like circuit training. And the girl that I had a lunch with two hours in, I was telling her my struggle and she's like, okay, can I tell you something? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, so I interviewed a nanny. Uh, to babysit my son and I interviewed someone that actually works with him and I was like oh my god what are the chances of that that's so crazy and she goes yeah and I just want to tell you that um you know I said oh he's married to my friend Manon and she's the girl that he she interviewed was like he's married like so confused <laughs> How could oh, wow. that be? We're, we're supposed, and, and she goes, yeah, she goes, why? She's like, she was, her reaction was, he just does not seem married. 
sorry to say, like, not at all. And I heard that and I was like, Ugh, okay, cool. This is getting so much easier. What else? What else? What else? And then she proceeded to tell me things that he shared with this woman, you know, saying things like, I never tell anyone this, but blah, 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 blah. And that's something that he always tells everybody. So like yeah. manipulating her to feel special by giving her this information. And then there's a celebrity that I introduced him to. And apparently he's going around telling everyone that he's good friends with this celebrity. And I was like, you barely know. Th-. And it just felt really started feeling really gross. And I, that was like all I needed to be like, okay, done. Okay, cool. Thank you. Like that, I felt like that was a godsend of my friend who's very, you know, she's not going to embellish story. She's going to tell it to me specifically how her, you know, I know that like we see things the way that we see things, but I really trusted that this was supposed to happen and it, it set me free. And, yeah. it, and I remember FaceTiming him after and I said, so, you know, I know that you're going around, blah, 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 blah. And it was funny because he was like, oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, she's in the West Hollywood location. I was like, that's not her. <laughs> that's somebody else. <laughs> I was like, he couldn't. It was just like digging himself in a hole. And, you know, so I, I kind of ended it there, but we still celebrated Christmas Eve together. I was like, so this isn't going to continue. And, you know, I would love to have a beautiful Christmas Eve with you and my mother before I go to Whistler tomorrow. And... So it was really awkward, but like there were nice moments. And then, you know, we kind of decided to stay friends because this was before I knew about the wedding song and all the other women. Uh, I was like, you know, I can, I can, you know, we're not gonna be best friends, but like we can stay in touch if we want and slowly but surely didn't. And then like two months later, um, I like called him. I was like, so I know we haven't officially divorced, but do you want to get started on this? And <laughs> That took like eight months and yeah. Wow. It was crazy. And then once the book came out, he stopped talking to me. <laughs> Cause I, you know, Did he know I it was coming out? Yeah, but I don't think he knew what I was going to write about. I, I told him, I pre, pre-warned him. I said, hey, just want to let you know that there's a chapter on the way we met and, and everything that happened. Um, I left a lot out, but you know, I changed her name and I just, I, I shared my experience and how I got through it. And then he really quickly changed his tune. And then when the book came out, I guess people started messaging him and Instagram and getting really angry. And then he went offline, which was actually really helpful. I actually thought about this recently where I haven't seen a photo of him online at all until recently. And I went, Oh my God, he's right there. And I thought about how grateful I was that he's been not been on Instagram for me to like be get, you know, re-stimulated or whatever that is. Or he pays the price for who he truly is. You know, the mirror of the world gives him the feedback. And, yeah. and like if we're willing to hold those truths, they can alchemize us. They can grow us. They can heal us. They can get us into integrity. You know, and we got to accept the invitation. Yeah. Have you ever had like a public relationship that didn't work out in front of everybody? Yeah. I mean, my fiance, Kylie, we broke up. A year and a, a year and a half ago, let me think about that. Oh, Just over wow. a year ago, and we were apart for nine months. And I mean, so I mean, I I had started writing about relationships when I was single, so I had already dealt with the "What do you know about relationships? You're single," and I always used to say like, "Well, that's under the assumption that just because you're in one, you're good at them." So like, you decide to listen to what I say or don't. I don't give a fuck, and. 
And I think because so much of my own transformation had always been birthed through endings, um, I actually walked through, we did, together and apart, walked through the ending publicly in a way. Not There was obviously a line between transparency and privacy. You know, there were our moments and then there were moments that I shared and I shared our closing ceremony on a podcast episode, like not the literal recording of it, but the process. And I freaking cried like mad on that episode. And yeah, it was, it was quite public. And then there, what was interesting is you get like messages saying, well, if you guys don't work out, what am I going to, you know, or like, why did you guys break up? I can't believe you guys broke up. It's like, I always sort of was intrigued by the fact that people placed our relational outcome, like took it personally in a way, or like they were disappointed or I had to face so much of the stuff that was the, I also faced when I left an engagement when I was young, that was sort of the birthplace. But the fact that we just lived that ending so unconditionally and, and there was so much love still there, which beautifully, you know, brought us back together in a lot of ways. Like we needed to journey apart to come back, but yeah, it was very public. Wow. Yeah. That adds a whole other layer of, I mean, no one really ever has to go through that. Because then you get everyone's opinions. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Because I just literally posted wedding photos and then didn't post for him, like about him for six months. And people were like, why are you posting him anymore? Where is he? What's going on? And then I felt this obligation to at some point share, you know, we're not together anymore but we've remained friends and then, and then all of a sudden like things change and then we're not friends anymore. And then how much do I share? Cause that can be scary. Cause I, you know, I still had such a consideration for him when I was writing my book and, right. yeah. you know, obviously once I learned everything else, the consideration dipped a bit, but like, you know, it's, it's a scary thing to be like, do I share this? Because I've shared everything mm-hmm. else. If I took people on this love journey, I have to continue it. I don't just because it doesn't sound good or it makes it could perceive, you know, make me look bad of like, wow, she's impulsive or she just like didn't even care. Like, I don't know. I don't want to be looked at she uh, in a negative flag. way. She's, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And which people what will said people all the think time. And I, and I did. Totally. You know, but they'll see the truth, yeah. you know. And I think there's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's such a, I always think of that line from the social dilemma where they said, um, the human body is not designed to hear the opinion of 10,000 people. Uh, and, you know, because I, I forget it, it's Dunbar's number, I think is the right name. And it's like that we can only actually have, we only have capacity. I think it's 150 people that we can actually have intimate relationship with, not romantic intimacy. That'd be complex, but like <laughs> the intimacy of knowing one another. And you think like, historically from a tribal perspective we're used to like groups of 250 you know and now we have you know the opinions of a million people i think also it's interesting too is like maybe similar to your experience people fall in love with the story and the love story and i'm sure they fell in love with yours because it's like straight out of disney you know it's it's like every rom-com it's like every idealized rom-com you know yeah um and what's beautiful is that is that people get to see that that can all be true and your ending grounds us all to say like, Hey, like allow the fleetingness of love, but don't not be rooted in who you are. 
Yeah, it's a great message. They don't end rom-coms like that. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. <laughs> Except for that one with uh, Jennifer Aniston and is it Vince Vaughn? Like the where they break up. The break up. The break up. Yeah. Yeah, like that trailer made it sound like it was going to be this funny movie. And then I watched it. I'm like, this shit is depressing. Like It was, it was so sad. It was, her in the bedroom crying. I just saw a clip of it on TikTok. Like sometimes TikTok people will like take clips from movies and then add music over it to make it more sad. It's and always I'm like, so good, uh, right? It's so good. <laughs> like the notebook. It is. It's oh, the notebook is so good. Like, it's, way to go, Ryan. It's Reynolds. literally it's perfect, Reynolds or not, Ryan Gosling. Sorry, sorry, Ryan's. <laughs> Fuck that up. <laughs> Those two are very different. Very but both. <laughs> Yeah, both. attractive, I, funny dudes, yeah. I guess. And Rachel McAdams, her sweetness, she's so beautifully vulnerable. And you, I just really felt their, like, that movie would not have been what it was if it weren't for them and what they put into it and the openness and rawness of it all. It was so that movie's perfect. It's perfect, too, because it has the humanness of it, right? The element of, like, going through that loss and the memory and the, you know, Alzheimer's. And and you're just like oh. wow, like that's actually the richness of the human experience that you feel in that, which is the same richness that I felt in your story. That, and you know, I'm I would imagine it's no, it sounds like at parts of your story you were always like, oh, there's more pages and there's more chapters. Let's get through this one. Let's learn from this one. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, because you seem to have had that perspective, like the fact that you could separate your own worth from the experience shows how much work you did before that. Yeah. I mean, I that also plays into feeling like in the relationship, I did my best to be as honest and open and loving as possible. And so when he did what he did, there was no part of me that could have taken it personally. I think if I would have taken, if this would have happened 10 years ago, it would have wrecked me for life. I know that much. I mean, at least for a very long time. Um because I would have made it mean that I'm not lovable and that I'm not worthy of, of real, like I would have just taken it all to mean something negative about me and, uh, or, but, but it wasn't, it was, I, I had such faith and, and sureness of how I showed up in that relationship. I was very proud of how I showed up in that relationship. And so when he did what I did, I knew it could not have done, been anything about me. I was so lovable to him and, and kind and, was a great girlfriend slash wife for a second, mm. you know? And so I was confident in that. And when you're confident in something, then the uh, the outside circumstances can't really shake you. The, I mean, it, he shook me in other ways, the, the you know, my lessons from it and my responsibility, but his actions and what he actually did and said, I went, oh, this is, this is nothing to do with me. He's in deep pain and doesn't know how to express his needs or wants or desires or pain in, in general. And he didn't feel safe, even though I tried, I tried to make him feel safe in all of his feelings for the whole relationship. I tried to create safety and I, I thought I was, and I thought that that's where, why we were so strong, but he hit it very well. And he, you know, he called himself a master manipulator. He admitted that he said, I've been one since I was five. And so I was like, Oh, 
I got to learn what this means. I, I learned all these new terms of like, oh, yeah. you know, all these pop terms of like love bombing and gaslighting and all these things. And I was like, what? Narcissism must have come Yeah. Out. yeah. Oh, like, totally. Because yeah. I'm like, yeah. that's like the ultimate, you know, form of, of like so disassociated from him on his own integrity and his own self, which is such a survival strategy. I'm, I'm curious, uh, like for people listening who might be in the, the beginning of an unfolding like this or a relational experience that's ended or is disrupted. Um, I'm curious, what is your advice as to like how to move forward or at least how to um, be committed to the truth, be committed to expansion? I mean, find people around you that have what you want and then start trusting that maybe they know more than you and then do what they do. And I don't know. I, I always say go where the love is where you really feel safe and, and loved and then, you know, do your best to trust that if you express yourself and you express your truth, because so much of sharing my truth is what has set me free. And so the thing that I think is going to grip me forever actually goes away pretty quickly when I honor how I feel. Um, so honor your feelings and then let it move through you, through your body, through your heart through your emotions um things pass pretty quickly i'm actually pretty surprised at how fast i've seemingly healed from this experience in in such a what well, could be short time which could have taken many many years but i believe it happened quickly because anytime a feeling came up i tried to lean into it rather than avoid it and leaning into it helped me feel it quicker you know i'll have the occasional every few months, you know, kind of cry of being like, what happened? But then it, right. it's like, that's four minutes and then it's done. And then I move on. And so, how do you, you know, sorry, I was going to say, how do you, um, cause I believe that's so healthy, right? The continued exploration of that grief and the processing, uh, because to expect yourself to not have to process anymore or, or feel anymore is to not humanize yourself. So I'm curious, how do you hold that feeling with um, being in a relationship and it not making you question your current relationship? Not him, but like, oh, am I really ready for a relationship? If I'm still thinking about that, how can I be in this? I'm curious how you hold that. Yeah, I think thinking about something is different from like longing. If I was still longing for the man that I married and still was like open, my heart was still open to him a little bit, I would not be able to be in a current relationship I, because I did everything possible to keep that relationship and, and did the therapy and stuck around and kept exploring. I was able to walk away with complete peace without looking back. I know for a fact that I made the right decision for myself. I don't ever question that part. Um, there's no part of me that wonders, well, what if? Because I already explored the what if in the aftermath of what happened. And it still kept being a no. And so now I look at whatever I feel afterward, whether it's like just a sadness or like a, I can't believe that happened or whatever it is. I don't see it as this means I want to be with him still. I just see it as uh, like little lingering feelings here and there. And because I have such a partner that has understood what I've gone through and doesn't make it about him, he's very confident in what in himself and our love that he just allows me to be where I'm at, which makes it even that much more pleasurable and easy. And so hmm. that's beautiful that he holds the space for your own processing and doesn't make it about, about you, you both. 
He knows yeah, that would have like, been horrible. That would have been really hard. Well, he knows it's actually like beneficial to your relationship that, you know, it's like when Kai and I started dating, there was still processing from past relationship that was coming up because of our relationship. And so I really saw it as like, well, that is welcome here as long yeah. as it's being processed, you know, and it's not being totally swept under the, the rug. Um, this has been such a beautiful conversation. I'm, I'm so grateful for you sharing everything and, and for you creating from the space of what you've been through. I, I'm curious, where do people find more of you? Um, well, first I just want to say it's been an honor to be with you. Um, it's been really special and I've really enjoyed myself and I'm so happy that we've gotten to know each other. Me too. Um, and we have a lot in common and it's, it's really nice and people can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at man and Matthews, M A N O N M A T H E W S. And my podcast is serious, but funny B U T T. And my book is funny how it works out. And I think that's, oh, and then my like spiritual Instagram channels, Manifestation. If you're like, just want spirituality, then like go to that one. I think I that's it. all I have. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure that we link it all out in the show notes. And thank you again. Thank you, Mark. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.